Hey everyone, Jeremy L. Jones here, author of Ruins of Empire. Yep, we're still on break, and working on the second book of the Ruins of Empire series, Templum Veneris. As always, you can find the latest updates on Facebook and Twitter at Ruins of Empire, or at www.ruinsofempirebook.com. In the meantime, we return to a series of short stories we are calling The Darkness of Titan. This is part two of a two-part story called Venganto Awaken. If you missed the first part, be sure to check your feed for part one. If you're all caught up and or don't mind jumping into the middle of a story, please enjoy part two of Venganto Awaken. Night on Titan is a darkness that is like nothing anywhere on Earth. There, even in the middle of the vast oceans, away from the megacities that bathe the land in artificial light, the moon and stars are bright enough to cast shadows. But on Titan, Saturn and Rhea barely cast enough light to be seen through the haze. On a night like tonight, it can feel like you've been dropped into the deepest pit on Earth. Through the enhanced spectrum lenses, the world looks flat, dark, and ruddy. It's as if every inch of ground is covered in old, dried blood. I'm leading the last of my division, along with the surviving colonists, toward the city. This should be easy. Lagaya City is all but surrendered. The colony administrator, Samuel Hillman, has set himself up for one last stand. On Titan, they call him the Man from Houston, and he's made it clear he intends to fight to the last man. The city itself, according to our intel, is ready to end the war. It has claimed so many that the city feels deserted as we approach. Those that weren't conscripted into one of the two armies are hiding away and waiting for one side to claim victory. The only resistance left is a small pocket of troops near the colony administration building near the center of town. As I walk, I am certain they will throw down their weapons and surrender the moment we march into visual range. We will march in, relieve the current colony administrator of his command, and turn it over to someone more loyal to new company leadership. After that, mission accomplished. We can go home. I know how this story ends, but this simulation keeps me from remembering exactly how. It's like a faint, nagging feeling. A voice deep inside my head that's whispering, Run. Still, I radio the pilot to make sure he's going through the checklist. This won't take long, and I want to be ready to lift off the moment we have control of the colony. The outskirts of the city are almost untouched as we march in. Out here, the smaller shops and homes are empty. Ahead, I can see the twin towers of the administration building and the Legia Monument farther to the north. The monument is really nothing more than a giant pyramid. It was the first permanent structure on Titan after the first explorers arrived. Now it looms over the city. Its golden surface captures what little light there is and enhances it so that it appears to glow on its own. As we get closer, the cap of the pyramid splits open. My invasion force, now down to about 20 company soldiers and 100 colonists, hesitate. Through our enhanced spectrum lenses, it looks like something, or some things, are flying out of the top. They float around the air like a series of tiny red flies over a carcass. I blink a few times. This technology is not perfect, and sometimes it can misinterpret temperature variations and produce strange readouts. I look back at my soldiers. It's clear to me that they see the same thing I do. They look at the space over the pyramid and whisper to each other. Relax, I say. Keep your heads up. Eyes forward. They might be trying for a distraction. Trying to mess with our heads for a moment. Keep sharp, let's end this. We keep marching. As we do, more tiny red lights rise from the top of the pyramid and circle around it. 
They appear to move like birds, but I have not seen this behavior in the local fauna. Apparently, neither of the colonists. The chatter behind me is so great that I have to stop and order them to keep silent. They do, but I can still hear them whispering between one another. I can feel their reluctance with every step. About halfway into the city, we stop. All that remains of Transplanetary Energy's colony military force, less than 20 soldiers, are crouched behind concrete barricades with their weapons trained on us. The street is open, and we are exposed, but they do not open fire. I call out, Captain Zislov of the 45th Infantry of the Interstellar Resources Security Division. Who is in charge here? In the distance, a tall man stands up from behind the barricade and calls back, Samuel T. Houston of Houston, Texas. I'm the colony administrator here. Order your men to throw down their weapons, put their hands in the air, and walk forward. I can't be sure at this distance, but I swear I can hear Samuel T. Hillman laughing. Give the order, I shout again. We've got you outnumbered and outgunned. We're holding the superior position, Hillman shouts back. And we have Venganto. I glance back up at the points of light circling the pyramid. I can't tell how many there are, but they are in formation now and getting slightly larger. I repeat, Order your men to throw down their weapons. Put your hands in the air and walk forward. There does not need to be any more bloodshed. You've got it wrong, Captain, he shouts with confidence. The Venganto are avenging angels, and they are here to take back what you have stolen. Retreat with your company, men. I will deal with the colonists who have taken up arms against our people. His defiance confuses me. I can feel my soldiers slowly backing away. Somehow, the situation has flipped, and I don't know or understand why. Those dark red points of light have become incomprehensible blotches, and they are getting larger. Something is going on. I whispered to my lieutenant standing nearby. I want you to take your squad and move. Those things. They move so fast. One moment they are just fuzzy bright red blobs against a dark red background. In the next some creature flies overhead and drops a tiny sphere. I turn just in time to see a flash of light. I feel a burning heat. I don't think. I just run. Hillman's soldiers on the barricades open fire as I sprint with all my power for the nearest alleyway. Behind me I hear screams. I dive to the asphalt, among bits of trash and wet sludge. I check myself first. There is no pain that I notice, and no blood. I smell burnt hair and cloth, and the skin on one side of my body stings with heat, but nothing severe. I check my surroundings next. My lieutenant is pressed up against the wall next to me. Nearby, a colonist drags his wounded friend into the relative safety of the alley by the straps of his pack. The man is screaming in pain, and it doesn't take much to see why. Half of his face is covered with blackened skin. The clothing on half his body has been burned away and is still smoldering. Two more colonists lay face down on the floor of the alley. I'm not sure that they are alive until they move enough to make eye contact. Outside, those monsters keep dropping more firebombs on the spot where my troops once stood. Every time they do, the flame grows higher. I touch my ear to activate my radio implant and say, All personnel, fall back to Charlie Camp. Repeat, fall back! I catch a flicker of something flying overhead and then an explosion on the top of the building opposite us. Flame cascades down the side like a waterfall. Run! I yell. I charge deeper into the dark alley, away from the gunfire and screams. I glance back to see my lieutenant following me. One of the colonists has been doused with the burning chemicals and is rolling on the ground to put the flames out. I stop on the other end of the alley and pull my handheld Omni out of my pocket and open up a map of the colony. The main road will leave us exposed. I find a narrower street that will lead us out of the city. 
I look up just in time to see the colonist pulling his friend to safety. He's no longer screaming. He's also not moving. There are four soldiers in that alley with me now. Three can move on their own power. Follow me, I yell. Leave the wounded. We can't help them. Move out! I start moving in a low crouch out of the alley. We make our way to the other side to a narrow street. From there, we turn towards Saturn, barely visible behind the haze and smoke, and move. All the while, I scan the skies. Those flying creatures are still mostly centered around the initial attack point, but they are widening their search. We keep low and move fast. We are running close to the buildings on one side when one of those things flies over us. It banks and turns back to where we are. I stand and open fire and watch as it tumbles end over end onto the street. More fly toward us, drawn by the sound of gunfire. Through my lenses I can see bright red eyes like a demon. I order the men to run for cover before I sprint down the street. I turn and bolt into an empty storefront as the first bombs are released. They are so close that I can feel the flesh on my back turning red. I'm either in a restaurant or a bar or some business that uses steel counters. I crawl under one and wait. I can hear the last of my men dying in the street. By the time I feel like it's safe enough to move, I run out of the city in the direction of Charlie Camp. The shuttle is still where we left it, but the pilot is missing. So is his weapon. I use the radio to call for him, but there is no answer. I get behind the controls and fire the primary engines. Then, I am back in the white room. I swear I can still feel the heat from the fires burning my back. I can still hear the screams echoing in my head. Even if I could move, I doubt I would. Every muscle feels so tense, it reminds me of electrical stun training in BASIC. Unfortunately, Captain, says one of the scientists' voice over the intercom, you still insist on entertaining notions that your entire operation was wiped out by aliens. That's what happened, I yelled through gritted teeth. Yes, says the voice over the intercom again. I believe you think that. Unfortunately, that is going to make treatment harder. It will require more potentially damaged neurons to be culled. I know this is not about fixing me. I am the only person who knows what happened there. With me gone, Interstellar can write their own version of events. They can gracefully claim to have never attempted to reclaim the colony. They never have to admit what they found there. There is a white, hot pain in my head, like someone sticking a blowtorch into my gray matter. Then, nothing. I wake up in a strange place. The last thing I remember was being on a transport ship to Titan. This isn't a spaceship. It's too quiet. The air doesn't smell right. It smells too much like real air on Earth. I sit up and immediately regret it. My head spins, and a migraine-like pain makes me lay back down and curl into a little ball. Lights come on and two men in white lab coats enter. The room is white as well. Everything here is white. How do you feel, Captain? said one of the scientists. I rubbed my head. Where did my hair go? What happened to me? There was an accident aboard your ship, said the other man in the white coat. You were very badly wounded and had to be put into cryo-hibernation in order to be saved. Memory loss is not an uncommon side effect. Accident, I say. You should rest now, says the other. We will come back to check on you periodically. They turn to leave. I roll over in my bed to face the wall. Someone has scratched something in the white plastic near my pillow. It's faint, 
I probably wouldn't notice it if it weren't right next to my face. But it's there. It says, The Venganto are real. I roll onto my back and wonder what kind of crazy people they must lock up in this joint. You have been listening to The Ruins of Empire, The Darkness of Titan, a special release from The Ruins of Empire Project. The Ruins of Empire podcast was written by Jeremy L. Jones and produced by Sean Vincent. Cover art was Nick Martin. Music was Wounds by Ketza at ketzamusic.com, licensed under Creative Commons 3.0 license. City of Geeks. Independent new media produced in Idaho.